You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Greetings, beloved. Welcome once again to another episode of Doctrine and Duty. Uh, I want to say thank you for uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber, for tuning in, uh, for supporting. Uh, I tell you, I've never really thought about it or really asked for it. I'm sorry that I haven't, but I would really use your prayers, um, prayers in the ministry for uh, being the, the man of God that he's called me to be, uh, to be a holy man of God for my wife and family and uh, for the church, and for the preaching of God's word. Um, and uh, for this podcast ministry, I could use your prayer. So, hey, there's a little duty uh, that I hadn't even thought about recently. Uh, but it is a blessing to be with you, a blessing to do these podcasts, a blessing to be a called of God to be a, a believer and called of God to be a pastor. So uh, we're continually working through the abstract of principles from 1858, and um, that is the foundation for the Baptist faith and message statements from 1925, 1963, and 2000. And maybe there's some others interspersed throughout there, but those are just the ones that I'm sure of. Um, and so, uh, abstract principles. Today, we find ourselves in section 16, and the subject matter is the Lord's Supper. Now, as I stated last time, um, I covered baptism and the Lord's Supper in prior episodes of Doctrine and Duty, but we are staying, I am staying faithful and true to this outline to cover all of the subject matter uh, points from the abstract of principles. It's very important that we understand um, doctrine, uh, theological doctrine, biblical doctrine, um, which is what does the Bible have to say about a particular subject matter? And the subject matter for today is the Lord's Supper. Now, the Baptist Faith and Message says this. Uh, this is the year 2000 edition. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act, a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church, through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate his second coming. Very clear, very succinct, very brief, actually. Uh, Baptist faith and message uh, gets its foundation from the abstract of principle. So what does it say? Thank you. Uh, here it is. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance of Jesus Christ to be administered with the elements of bread and wine and to be observed by his churches till the end of the world. It is in no sense a sacrifice but is designed to commemorate his death, to confirm the faith and other graces of Christians, and to be a bond, pledge, and renewal of their communion with him and of their church fellowship. Now, uh, I know it's longer, the abstract version is longer, but in my opinion, uh, it's not necessarily better, but it provides more details that I think, um, that I regret that the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 statement left out. Now, I do agree that it's a symbolic act of obedience. Uh, it is an act of obedience for the church and for the church members, for the pastor. And there is the partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine. Now, I did notice that they changed it to fruit of the vine, whereas in the abstract principles it said wine. Uh, we would we would argue, I would argue, that um, the wine that was used in the New Testament was new wine, uh, very similar uh, to grape juice. I uh, don't want to get into a lot of argument about um, alcohol, alcoholism, etc. Um, however, the terminology did change a bit when it says the fruit of the vine. They kind of got... Um, kind of got, uh, I guess, uh, an option instead of, uh, whereas the abstract says elements of bread and wine. Uh, I mean, they very well couldn't put Welch's grape juice on there because that would be like a sponsor alert or something like that. So uh, they put the fruit of the vine, which I like. I like that terminology. I, I, I would say that a church doesn't need wine. 
Um, we have enough problems in our day. <laughs> we need to be led by the Spirit, not by some sort of uh, other influence in our lives. And so uh, there's my brief take on that. So the Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate His second coming. More about that in 1 Corinthians 11 that is coming soon. Now, going to the abstract, the Lord's Supper is an ordinance. So ordinance and, and baptism are what we would call that um, baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two ordinances of the church. These are things that are ordained by Christ and commanded of Christ. So we are to participate in baptism, and that should be once or twice if one was valid, invalid. And then the Lord's Supper should be repeated. It should be ongoing. It should be special. It should never lose um, its special nature in your life because it is a precious time for the people of God. Now, whereas in the Baptist Faith and Message, it says it's a sim symbolic act of obedience. It is that. Um, but I love the abstract because I, I personally believe it's a little more than that. I believe it's more than just symbolism, and uh, you can choose to disagree with me and be wrong if you'd like. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. You can disagree. There are lots of different views on the Lord's Supper and the meaning of it. I would hold to just a bit more than symbolism. Uh, obviously, I reject uh, transubstantiation and consubstantiation uh, beliefs uh, of the Lutherans and the Catholics. Um, but I would wholeheartedly embrace symbolism and a touch more. Uh, I'll explain as we go. It says to be administered with the elements of bread and wine and to be observed by his churches until the end of the world. Well, there you have it. There's no expiration date. There's no fine print that says uh, this is going to expire. This is going to go bad. You shall cease and desist, but until the end of the world. So I really like that. Um, it kind of goes along with what the Baptist faith and message says when it says and anticipate a second coming. But they're ba basing that on the first Corinthians 11 passage, whereas here, uh, in the abstract, they're seeing this as something that we never stop doing. I love that. It says it is in no sense a sacrifice, and we praise the Lord for that. That rejects con and transubstantiation. We do not believe that that um, when the priest touches uh, the the elements, the bread and the juice, that they become the body of Christ. That's that that has its huge own problems. So it says it is in no sense a sacrifice. So I'm so thankful that they spell out not only what the Lord's Supper is, but also what the Lord's Supper is not. And I do believe Baptist Faith and Message 2000, that's where that statement falls short. It is in no sense a sacrifice, but is it designed to commemorate his death, to confirm the faith and the graces of other of Christians, and to be a bond, pledge, and renewal of their communion with God. See, that's why I think it's a little more than symbolism. Um, we do commemorate his death, but we confirm our faith. I, I have never experienced the Lord's Supper where I have not felt closer to the Lord. Every time I have the Lord's Supper, even though it, it, I've done it hundreds of times as a believer, and, and even more have I led it as a pastor, it is always very special, and it always leaves me different. Different in my thinking, different in my feelings, different in my actions, different in my thoughts, different in my emotions, different in my choices. I, I mean... It's like a refreshing renewal, a time of revival. It's like a recommitment. It's like a, another time of, of being all in with the Lord, a time of repentance and faith. And so it's, a, it's, it's awesome. It is symbolic, but it is, in my opinion, a touch more than that. It is designed to commemorate His death, to confirm the faith and other graces of Christians, and to be a bond, pledge, and renewal of their communion with Him. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, there is that renewal of our walk with the Lord. Um, because as we'll see in First Corinthians, if if you're not there to renew your walk with the Lord, if you're not there to make things right with God, then you you, you might 
not, no, you better not, you best not, as we say back home, you best not uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. And so why don't we, why don't we look to that? Why don't we look to the Scripture? And um, as a matter of fact, I use 1 Corinthians 11. I'm not going to say every time, but I'm going to say probably, possibly, uh, quite likely every time do I use this passage of Scripture. Now, um, the Lord's Supper itself, um, Paul uh, gives us uh, these words in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Okay? So, so there's the explanation of the Lord's Supper. And then, and then here's, the, here's what the Baptist Faith and Message does, does get really right. It says that we memorialize the death of the Redeemer and we anticipate his second coming because Paul concludes that section in verse 26. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's symbolic, it's meaningful, it's refreshing, it's renewal, it's revival, it's repentance, but also it is a proclamation. We are proclaiming that Christ died on the cross in our place and for our sins every single time we partake of the Lord's Supper, and we should do so until we are dead or until He comes back. Amen? Okay, I heard some amens. Okay, very good, very good. All right, so now I want to go over with you um, kind of like the preliminary prior to partaking of the Lord's Supper, and it's Right there in 1 Corinthians 11, beginning verse 27, Paul says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the Lord's body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Oh no. Wow. That's powerful. We dare not enter into the Lord's Supper service lightly. We dare not presume upon the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Almighty God by just um, haphazardly participating in the Lord's Supper. But no, it says that we should let a person examine himself, then eat of the bread. There should be a, a Holy Spirit searching of sin in all of our lives prior to partaking of the Lord's Supper. The last thing we would want to be uh, about would be to be bringing judgment upon ourselves or judgment uh, associated with the local church because we are entering into this haphazardly, entering into this lightly, entering into the service, just thinking, oh, who cares? Everybody sins, whatever. No, this is a time of renewal. This is a time of refreshment. This is a time where the church could be revived. This is a time where people could be healed of diseases. Who knows what God wants to do through the Lord's Supper service? And so every time we do the Lord's Supper service, it is its own service at the church. We don't tack it on at the end. We don't do it every week so that it becomes monotonous, mundane, and routine. But we have very special times of the year set aside throughout the year. And no, we don't have it once a quarter like Southern Baptists have put in their bylaws for some weird reason over the years. We do it four, five, six, seven, eight times a year, special times where we come apart, we come aside, and we say, this is the Lord's Supper. This is what we're doing. We're celebrating Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We are proclaiming His death until He comes back, and we are getting closer to God as a result of it. Well, I, I guess you got your doctrine and duty already. I was going to you know, go through some points, but I, I think we've <laughs> I've covered it all the way throughout. There is uh, a delight 
in the prescription of the Lord's Supper that he has for the local church. And, and I'm, I'm, I love I love participating in it and leading the Lord's Supper. It's always a very special time. Hey, listen, I love you. Praise the Lord for you. Let's pray. Father, you're awesome, and we're not. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace toward us in Christ, and thank you, Lord God, for the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Father, for the renewal, the times of refreshment that come to us through the Lord's Supper service. Thank you that we get to do it until you come or we go home. Praise you, Father. Lord, for those out there who are struggling now, please give them grace and peace and purpose and joy. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, again, love you. Take care. Join us in person or online, Alexander Baptist Church, abch.org. Follow us on Facebook live stream. Check us out on YouTube. Take care. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church, located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.